The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? Kels Charles and Megan Murray here, and you are listening to Girls Talking Boys on SB Nation, as always. Hello. Oh, happy Friday, y'all. Yes. We have a friend with us today. We do. We do. Um, I forgot to mention, because I'm getting used to this, but you can also be watching us, which um, if you didn't (laughs) already realize, if you are watching, we do. We are not alone today um, on this Fan Friday and just Friday in general. We've got... Jake Luke with the Baltimore beat down our SB Nation counterpart over on the East Coast joining us today. Jake, what's going on? You know, uh, nothing's going on. Glad to hear I already have the uh, friend status in the bag there. Pretty, pretty good stuff. So happy to be uh, joining you guys here on this uh, weird week. Yeah. Oh, so weird. You know, any given Wednesday, they say. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do say that. Uh, I was saying it a few times. Uh, we're recording this Thursday. I was saying this a few times yesterday. Didn't really work out that way for my guys, but uh, it is what it is, I guess. They put up good showing, though, I will say. <laughs> like, That's the thing with these uh, these hardball teams you guys are going to see. They're always uh, they're always playing hard, at the very least. I'll give them that. Ah, playing hardball, I see. Yeah. <laughs> She's here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, no, I want to dive into that, though, because like you said, it really has been a weird week. I was so thrown off. I mean, obviously, just the pandemic in general has made the NFL season just a crazy ordeal as it is let alone now we are starting to finally see the impacts of having to change the change the schedule. I think, you know, Megan and I have talked a lot. I think we kind of ex- expected this to maybe ha- happen even sooner than it did. So it's kind of been a blessing in disguise that it's we've gotten to make it this far, but it felt kind of inevitable for some people at least. Um, and so you guys had this game against the Steelers that was actually on Wednesday um, at 2.30 Central Time rescheduled it was supposed to be on Thanksgiving and then it was supposed to be on Sunday night and then it was supposed to be on Monday and then they moved it to Wednesday. Is that the correct? Yeah. It so, might've been a Tuesday. I'm not totally sure though. I can't even remember to be honest. I know. I know. So talk to me. I mean, how weird was it for you as someone who's covering the game and just in general, like I'm sure you've been a fan of this team for a while uh, and just someone who's watched it for a long time, uh, having a game in the middle of the workday on a Wednesday, like what a trip. Well, I mean, it all kind of ties together, obviously, but middle of the workday thing, I've been doing all my work from home these days. So kind of uh, 
you know, maybe didn't really clock out, probably should have though when the game came on because I was totally locked into that. But yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes to speak with where we're at with like not only sports, but with everything in 2020, just definitely weird, something unprecedented. There's a new first around every corner. It seems like every week or so here. So, I mean, of course the Ravens had to be at the center of it. Uh, you know, having <laughs> the, the big outbreak that we all knew was going to be coming with one of these teams. It had to be the team that I'm covering, but yeah. And from that angle, like we, uh, for our show, we were supposed to have John Ledyard on, who's like a big Steelers fan. And he's a big draft guy that Spencer, my co-host and I are both big fans of. And he was, we we're going to have him on like that Wednesday or might've been the Tuesday or Wednesday night. And he was like, yeah, guys, like, you sure you want to like do this because it might get pushed back. And like, it, they might do this whole week 18 thing and see what happens. And I was like, yeah, okay, dude, like we, we can, you know, wait on it or like do whatever. And then obviously it gets postponed, gets postponed again. We don't even wind up having him on. So it just kind of affected our operations a little bit, honestly. And that was kind of weird, but I mean, I'm not going to complain too much. You know, what, what can you really do? It's a pandemic. <laughs> exactly. You just have to adapt. Yeah. Like it all was, the time. <laughs> yeah. I was in the middle of a wrapping up a meeting and then I looked over and I was like, wait, like I kept on getting these tweets. I was like, oh my gosh, like the game's happening right now. Like I had like tune in. So, and that was the interesting thing too, because the Cowboys, obviously their schedule was impacted too, because of their, you know, the Ravens, their next opponent. And yeah, thanks a lot guys. <laughs> I was at first, another reason to hate us. <laughs> I was at first thinking that it was going to be a silver lining because I was like, well, you know what? It's been a really rough week, a rough game last week for the, the Cowboys, the team themselves was really difficult. Um, they obviously, the Cowboys have the memorial service for um, Coach Paul this week. And so just, you know, mentally and physically, I think this team is drained. And so I was uh, initially thinking, this is a good thing. They can use some more t- time to turn around, right? But then I started to think logistically, after the Ravens game, they're going to be done. They fly to Baltimore, and they're going to get back at like three in the morning on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, right? And then they have to flip around and fly back out to Cincinnati at like 2 p.m. on Saturday. So it just is this crazy shortened schedule for them. So it kind of really does end up screwing them uh, in general. So maybe not the silver lining that I thought it was, but quick turns coming. Um, I guess, you know, for me, I, I think it's interesting too, because, you know, in light of all of that, the Cowboys actually were physically watching the game live against the Steelers and the Ravens in position groups. And this was their scouting. So this was their film session. Um, and I found that really interesting. And I kind of love to hear from you. And granted, I think it's difficult because in light of all the players and personnel switches you guys have had to make adjustment-wise because of COVID and whoever's on the reserve list right now, which I'm sure we'll get into. But what would you say if you had to take some main takeaways away from that game on Wednesday would be you know, your, your highlights or even your lowlights from the Ravens' performance? the defense really got after it. Like I was pretty impressed by that. And like, they've had some, some tough performances recently. I mean, the new England game, they kind of, they got bent over a little bit and it's tough because it was in a monsoon and it's kind of tough to judge them against that Josh McDaniels offense. It was kind of weird. And some of the younger guys were getting picked on a little bit, but then that Tennessee game, they just didn't, they showed no spine like when it really mattered. And that, that's disappointing because this is a really talented defense. They played well at certain points, but this was the game where you really needed to step up and like show something and say like, okay, the season is not over. Like, even if they lose this game, they have to show something the defense did. So the deep, you know, they, they were missing a couple key guys, Kalias Campbell, Pernell McPhee, Matt Judon, all really key players to the defense. They were out in that game. They still managed to show up big time. Marlon Humphrey is probably one of the most underrated players in the league. He's probably their best defensive player. He's coming back from COVID. He was kind of the first one of the, uh, 
initial players to get it. And he had had a couple of tough games, but he went out there. He was going one-on-one with, one-on-one with Juju, kind of jawing a little bit, and he looks kind of to be back into form. So I would say the defense, uh, I'd be a little worried about that from a Cowboys perspective because it feels like they're sort of rounding back into form. And Wink Martindale, their coordinator, is uh, doing a, a nice job, I think. As far as the offense goes, I don't know if you can take anything one way or the other because you have RG3 in there who couldn't throw Like, he could not physically throw a ball. I don't know what was going on. He was running it okay. He was doing these sort of interior, like, zone read keepers where he's, you know, busting up the interior. And he did a nice job on some of those. Goes to the exterior, hurts his hamstring. Go figure. So he plays on this bum leg for the rest of the game. Then Trace McSorley gets in. He throws a touchdown to Hollywood Brown, who's been not playing well the last couple of weeks. And then a bunch of other guys are out. Half their offensive line was out. You know, Mark Andrews, their top receiving option, their best tight end, he was out. Luke Wilson is somehow, like, getting involved and being forced to, like, catch critical passes, you know, in a game in 2020, which, you know, shocker, he didn't. Not going to blame him on that, but it is what it is. So for me, I'd say I'd be a little worried from a Cowboys perspective that their defense is kind of coming back into form, and there's just nothing much to really take away from this offense because this Cowboys defense, I think, does have some speed. So they might be able to keep up with some of these options on Baltimore's offense, but there's, there's going to be a lot of guys back, including hopefully Jackson, who's uh, going to be at least eligible, I think. So in terms of the defense, you guys have the number six overall ranked defense right now, you know, allowing about 318 and a half yards, if you will. Um, but one thing I noticed too, is that actually based on stats in general, you guys are actually the most aggressive blitzing team this year alone. Um, you, you blitz 46% of the time in passing situations, which, you know, we all know that it's, that's a big part of the Cowboys offense nowadays. And not to mention just that, but you're also one of the best um, number two, actually in third down defense in the league, you're only allowing a 34.5% conversion rate. So I think that's an area that this team has struggled with in general, whether it's decision-making, um, whether it's, you know, actually just doing the damn thing. Um, so like you said, to have those reinforcement players come back and then also just those stats in general, those seem pretty concerning to me, not to mention the fact that, you know, from a blitzing perspective, our line really not in a great position right now you know granted we can do what we can to reinforce it by putting in you know some of these bigger guys and and having you know maybe maybe like the running backs or the tight ends like do a little blitz pickup if you will but I don't I don't love that stat is what I'm trying to say I am concerned about that especially with Andy Dalton behind the line and I just we saw what happened to him in Washington two weeks ago and I really can't afford for that to happen again how's that well, if there's anybody that's given me uh, some really terrible moments in my life, it's Andy Dalton. So we can start right there. I mean, everyone kind of rags on the guy, but we saw him in this division for a decade. He, you know, the Ravens got the better of him sometimes. There are other times on, uh, you know, pretty high profile moments that he got the better of them. So I'm not going to, you know, everyone's kind of an Andy Dalton hater. I'm not one of those people. I think he's kind of in a tough spot here. You mentioned a couple of stats there. The Ravens are seventh in defensive DVOA right now, I think. So that's like a pretty good efficiency number. They live by the blitz and they die by the blitz. Like if you watch that Pittsburgh game yesterday, which, you know, I'm assuming everyone listening did, they were blitzing in some spots where they really didn't need to. And they kind of put themselves in trouble. Like that James Washington catch that basically put the, the game away. If you had even one or two more guys back there, you'd probably break that up. So that's just kind of Martindale's strategy is like just pin your ears back and get after it and just fully send it. And like it works sometimes and other times it doesn't. It's really the teams that are able to pass block well and get the ball out quickly are able to take advantage of that. I admittedly have not done my homework on the boys recently, so I don't know if they're going to be able to do that, but that would be my strategy at least. Yeah. I mean, I feel like 
you've seen guys like Zeke has done some good job occasionally, like having to do a little work in that regard. Um, Dalton Schultz is even in there. Like, I feel, you know, I'm not going to go as far as to tout our capabilities in that department, but like we have some serviceable options. They're still not great comparatively, especially for a team like us who has been so spoiled in that category for years past where, you know, it's just like the great line part or the great wall part too, you know, like we weren't concerned. Granted, I will say this though, when, um, who was it? Did we have, when it was Knight and um, Looney were in, they didn't even, was it two games ago or a game ago? I don't know, but they didn't even like let a pressure. You know, I just, I, there was, they've had some moments where I felt okay about the reinforcements that we put into place, but we've had so many changes and especially now with Zach Martin out for the foreseeable future, we have zero true, true high, high caliber level of leadership in that position group. And that just, I don't feel good about the combination of what you just told me versus what I just came out of my mouth. How's that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a familiar problem too, because like the Ravens had Marshall Yonder retire, who was a massive piece of that offensive line for them last year. And, you know, you guys saw him on, you know, national TV five or six times last year doing the, you know, running the ball really well, you know, passing it pretty well too, and doing their little dances and being all happy. It really hasn't been the same this year. Yonda's gone. That is a big factor. Ronnie Stanley gets rolled up on his ankle, is fractured or something. He's out for the year. So that's forced him to take Orlando Brown from right tackle over to left tackle. DJ Fluker is getting in the mix at right tackle. Tyree Phillips is like this third round guard tackle hybrid guy they've been mixing in there. So offensive line issues are uh, kind of hitting close to home here as well. So I can, I can feel your pain on that. So I feel like um, it's kind of interesting to me, like on the flip side of the ball, you talked about the offense and RG3. And so actually um, it's funny. So RG3 is from Arlington and yep. uh, then you've got, I've in, in the off season, um, they do workouts here in town with one of the guys who's been on a friend of our, a friend of ours, um, yeah. Robinson, and he's an amazing, amazing wide receiver coach. And so RG3 would come up and throw with these guys. And a lot of the guys that he worked with were like Prochet and Devin DuVernay. And then you also have um, Des Bryant. Like he's yeah. one of the main guys that was like throwing Des Bryant this offseason too. So do you feel like, and granted it's only been one game and we don't know if that's going to have to carry over to next week because we're not sure of the status of Lamar yet, but you said that he just couldn't seem to throw the ball. Do you feel like it was more of a chemistry thing or mechanics or because it feels like he should have some chemistry with some of these guys is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I wouldn't say that it wasn't there entirely. I think he had an opportunity to Des who slipped early on. So like he kind of missed him there. Prochet I hated runs that. I was little, so sad. Yeah. It was tough. Prochet runs this little like whip route thing. He only has one catch in the league so far. I mean, pretty impressive for a six round pick obviously, but he has this one little whip route that he runs pretty much every time. It worked for him once when he had his catch. And then yesterday, that pick six to Joe Hayden, that was him running it. And Hayden read it like a book and just jumped in there. So chemistry might not be all the way there. I think it's just kind of a physical issue with RG3. I think he's just kind of beaten down. And like I feel bad for the guy because like he's made it pretty clear he wanted to have this be a pit stop and then go be a starter elsewhere. And it feels like that was kind of his big moment for that to happen. And it just kind of wasn't there. And he was sort of set up to fail a little bit. Like I said, that offensive line, it was already struggling. You had three guys out due to COVID yesterday. So he's kind of, he kind of got screwed a little bit in that respect. And Willie Sneed has been their most reliable receiver. He had COVID, he was out and I'm sure RG3 would have made good use of him. So 
Yeah, he was just, you know, I think it's a combination of the fact that you're going up against a nasty defense in Pittsburgh, issues along the O-line, receiving core, kind of hit or miss. And uh, yeah, just physically not all the way there. And he seemed a little slow on some plays. So, you know, I, I'm, I hope it's not over for him, but uh, I, I was not too encouraged by what I saw yesterday, Adam. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I felt like... um... I was watching that hamstring, like the play where he, he was trying to run, like he was going to go. I thought so. At least I was like, he is going. And like, I, like, I, I, it was a Des that came in there with a block at the end. And I was like, so I was like, let's go Des. Like, give me some action, you know? Like I, and, and again, like you mentioned, I'm not really going to cheer for another team, but like you want to see guys who are trying to make another you get your guys, you know, you get your people that you root for, whether they were on your team or you liked them in college or whatever. So I definitely know what you mean. And like, and then he just, is like his, I, I hated that. Cause I watched RD three, like make that run. And like, I was like, he can make this happen. Like he can go for it. Right. And then it's just like his body like betrayed him. And he was like hobbling around. And like you said, it was just kind of, it was kind of like he was serviceable, but it didn't feel like he was the same. And so, you know, I, I guess, from your perspective, going into next week, do you, do you, what are your thoughts on RG3 versus Lamar? Like how realistic do you think it is that you'll, that we'll have Lamar to face? Or do you feel like he's going to still be out or, and if so, like, are you even feeling confident with RG3 in the game leading your team? It's such a hard thing to like prognosticate on, right? Cause you're talking about COVID, which affects everyone differently. And I mean, hypothetically, these guys are, very fit athletes that are, you know, in the prime of their life, the prime of their career, but we've seen it affect athletes. Like we saw, I think uh, it affected Freddie Freeman pretty badly in the MLB. It's affected NFL players. Goliath Campbell was tweeting last week about how it's affecting him pretty badly. So it affects everyone differently from what I've kind of heard. I, I don't like know anything, but like, just from what I've seen floating around, it seems like Lamar is like in good spirits and doing okay. So if I had to like gut feeling, say he's going to play, I feel like he's going to do what he has to do to get out there because he, the kid just has this fire in him. He wants to go out and win every single game. So I think within reason of him being able to get out there, slaying around, do what he has to do. I think he's going to, if he can't though, like, I gotta be honest, I rather they just run McSorley out there. Like it looked like he had a little more pop on his arm. He was moving around a little bit. He made like you one say decision. that he can throw it on a dime. Yeah. Uh, like he's not even trying. Uh, yeah. it, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> the funny thing about that is like we uh when i first started this pod like a year and a half ago he had got he had just gotten drafted in like the sixth round or whatever and like me and my co-host like we 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 started joking about him like at the time and then like we kind of forgot about it because he was like the third quarterback and then like all those tiktoks started to come out and everybody got in on the joke so i was like well we were actually the first to that but i cannot get that song out of my head we uh yeah we closed a an episode of the show when he made his first preseason like start or whatever like last year we closed it out with that so it's uh, that's still in the airwave somewhere um, I, I meant to do it last night but I was I was a little loopy 
She's <laughs> an actual TikTok queen and she keeps me young. Uh, just of watching them, not of doing them. Yeah. So. yeah. I, I, did, I, I actually did one once that did okay on Twitter. It was uh, the GM of the Ravens, Eric Tacasa, like explaining his like draft setup or whatever. Wow. And I did all these like little visual like bits about I, it was stupid, but it, it did okay on Twitter. People seem to like it. So um, I need to get in. We're all right. clamoring for content these days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're cooped up in your house and it's like, okay, I'll, I'll try this TikTok thing. And, you know, I, I was one for one. I'm probably not going to do anymore. I tried <laughs> one and it was like very lame. And then I just felt like a boomer that some, you know, that probably shouldn't be on the app really anyways. Like once you hit 30, it feels like you're either good at it or you're not. So just you know, own your strengths and your weaknesses. And I just think that's not where my lane is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm 25 and I, I don't think I've ever felt older than saying the <laughs> word TikTok. Thank you. Um, so I want to get your thoughts because, you know, we just talked about the offense and I, you know, I, I'd love to chat about it a little bit more, but because, you know, there's still the number one overall ranked offense, if I'm reading my things correctly. And I, you know, that actually kind of came as a surprise to me. I have to be honest with you because while, you guys were just so great in years past and, and, and it feels like it's just not the same this year. And like it, how is that for you covering the team? And I just, again, I also think it kind of shows you how you can't live and die by a stat line because while they may still be producing at that high level, it's not converting, you know, they're third in the AFC North, you know, they're on a three loss streak. It's just, it's they're six and five. So that's great. You can hang that accolade on your wall, but it's not giving you the results that ultimately you'd hope it would and it has in years past. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you mentioned that they had been great in years past and they were certainly great last year. But let me tell you, I'm as old as this franchise has been here. And uh, every single year outside of that, I had many complaints about the offense that they were putting out there for a lot of different reasons. Last year was like the only offense that I ever watched that was like fun every single week and you were confident every single week. And now it's just kind of back to normal. I think they're still a little better than like the, like the Kyle Bowler days, thankfully, uh, because that was, you know, not fun for anyone, but yeah, it's a little frustrating, especially like the promise that Lamar showed you were kind of hoping he was going to build on that. I think everyone kind of knew like there was going to be a statistical kind of regression with him and that it wasn't going to be a hundred percent the same, but it probably hasn't even up, been up to that par that we were expecting. So I think a lot of that has to do with some of the injuries that have happened on the O-line you know, that have kind of happened at receiver and they were maybe exposed a little bit for not making some, uh, you know, investments at the receiver spot, I think, which is always a funny dynamic. Like you mentioned, as an analyst, you get like, shout out to our listeners. They're, they're awesome. And they're kind of always interacting with us and we'd like to kind of mix it up with them. So they'll be hitting us up every week. It's like, Oh, what do you think about signing Allen Robinson from Chicago? I'm like, guys, it's like week 12, like there's six and four. I think we should probably like focus on this team right now. Then we can talk about that stuff. But yeah, it's been uh a little disappointing, especially in comparison to last year, but they're still in it, man. That's just kind of the way football looks every week. It's not uh, the dream that we saw last year when they were 14 and two. It's uh, much more of a, a realistic picture that you're looking at. So as unfortunate as that is to admit, that's just kind of where we're at. I mean, at least- Do you still see them making the playoffs? I think so. Yeah. They have a really favorable schedule, um, not to you know, rag on your, your boys here too much, but I think it's a, a good, uh, a good kind of palate cleanser after a game like the Steelers when you're missing half your starters, hopefully they can rip that off and then Cleveland away. That's going to be a tough test. You know, they're eight and three right now. Cleveland. Yeah. Just stacking. Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, and the Ravens, 
the Ravens went out there in week one and demolished them. And everyone said, oh, Browns are going to be terrible again. Ravens going to be the class of the conference again. Hasn't totally worked out like that. The Browns, people are coming at them for being fraudulent a little bit. I don't know. You play who's on your schedule. And like Baker Mayfield, he's kept his mouth shut and his head down and he's done what he's had to do. He's not playing great, but he's doing what he has to do. They're eight and three. They have a good chance to, we'll see what happens with the Titans. I mean, that game could go either way, but they're at the very least going to be eight and four heading into Monday night football with the Ravens team that's going to be fighting for its life. So that's going to be tough. But after that, you got the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Bengals. So I, it's right. 10 and six to me seems like the floor if Lamar comes back and everything is kind of kosher. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, they could get to 11 and five, and there's three playoff spots. So I, I, we're not taking one this year. So yeah, I was going to say, right. <laughs> I can't relate. So we're not taking one of those this year. So yeah. We, I Listen, mean, that could be a good thing. You, you know, got to get some uh, some weapons around Dak there. Hopefully, he recovers. You know. Yeah. Well, he has weapons around him. Maybe just people protecting him would be the. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah that's probably a good idea. Yeah, I guess they got yeah. Lamb and you know all those other guys that I, I personally wanted the Ravens to take, but yeah. it is what it is. Um. Well, I want to ask you just again, like, because I just think it like kind of blows my mind this whole COVID situation. I mean, even like between you guys and the Broncos, I couldn't decide. Ultimately, just the Broncos, for the storyline's sake of not having any serviceable quarterbacks, came out as the top storyline. But you guys were decimated. Absolutely decimated. I can't, I couldn't keep up with your totals. On Saturday, I think it was 18 players that were on the reserve COVID list. And then you had a wide receiver on Sunday. So it was 19 and seven starters. And now I think your running backs are, you're good. And they had to fly separately. I mean, what is the lay of the land? And first of all, what even happened? Because there was, I heard some rumblings that it was like a, per, a like a staff member who didn't play by the rules and then basically just like F everything up. So like, give us the lowdown and then the current state, if you don't mind. Everyone they just used- passing their drinks around to each other? Like what's yeah. the like- They were just having parallel flights in the bathroom. <laughs> no, it's funny that you, uh, you said that like you couldn't keep up with it because like I covered the team and I couldn't keep up with it, which is pretty sick if you think about it. Like- yeah. I should be pretty plugged in on that kind of stuff, but it was hard for even me. So don't blame yourself on that. But yeah, it was, um, so I mentioned Marlon Humphrey, right? He was the first player to get it. And I think the first person in the organization that we heard come out and say that he got it, it was after, I believe the Patriots game, I want to say, he just tweeted, I got the Rona, everything's good. Hopefully everything's going to be okay. It's literally right after the game. I guess he went to the locker room and got a quick test or something. And I'm just staring at it. Like, what is this? And like, he's, so he's gone all of a sudden. I think that kind of predated all this stuff that we're seeing now, but my guess, if I had to kind of throw an educated one out there, he's been a little cavalier as far as like going out to dinners and stuff. And I don't want to like get on guys too much for that, but I don't know, kind of some of his behavior didn't really sit well with me as far as all that went. And then this coach that you guys are talking about, his name is Steve Saunders. He's their strength and conditioning coach. He's been a huge asset to them. He came in, I think, with Eric Weddle when they signed him like four years ago. They were good friends. So he's been there since. He's really helped them uh, kind of get the locker room into shape because they had some injury problems uh, like in the middle part of the most recent decade. He's really helped them out. But it started to get out that after all these positives started coming through and all these guys are just kind of dropping like flies. It comes out that they had a person in the organization that was flaunting the rules, not wearing his mask, talking about anti-mask rhetoric, not wearing his tracer thing. So it made it hard to trace where all the positives could potentially be. And then you go and look at uh, his Twitter feed 
Oh, no. Uh, and it is him lamenting the fact that, I guess he lives in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you guys, like, have any context, but, like, the Pennsylvania line is pretty close to Baltimore. So I guess he lives up there, and there's all these tweets about, like, how the Pennsylvania governor needs to, like, reopen, like, youth sports for his son to, like, so he can go watch his son play and stuff. And it's just, like, a really, really, like, bad look. And sounds like the Ravens have disciplined him, but the horses are kind of already out of the, the stable there as far as that goes because you got half the team infected. We're going to see if any more discipline, like him getting fired, is thrown out there. It sounds like the Ravens are in line to receive some discipline for the league, which I think is probably fair if they're not, you know, if John Harbaugh, for, for you know, to be totally honest, is not stepping up and kind of putting this guy in his place. I think uh, some some discipline is going to be in order here. So it sounds like him and, uh, like I mentioned, Humphrey, I think that was kind of the genesis. And then, like, the fact that Saunders wasn't wearing the tracer, I think it just kind of got out of control from there. So just a weird uh, not – fun situation uh, as a sports fan and sports are supposed to be fun. So that's been my reality for the past two weeks. Yeah. I mean, preach lessons being learned. Hopefully it's yeah, it's honestly, uh, for all of us. <laughs> I don't need that in my locker room either. Yeah. Like it sucks. Like for your point, like it kind of sucks to come on here and have to like, you know, it just, it, it's been like sad and like depressing and, you know, especially when you add losing for us on top of that. And it's like, I can't, I, I can joke all day, but at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, like sometimes this really sucks. Um, yeah, it really does. It's just kind of the reality of like doing this in a pandemic. I think everyone kind of forgets that like what's actually going on. And like you saw, I don't want to come at the Steelers and like the Pittsburgh media too much, but they were getting a little tinfoil hatty about it all. And I was like, guys, like, can we relax a minute here? Like this is just going to happen sometimes, unfortunately, when we're in a situation like this. And uh I know it affected them in kind of an adverse way. It's affecting the Cowboys in a little bit of an adverse way. But at the end of the day, hopefully just everyone's able to get through it healthy on the other side. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. So um, Meg and I are really big Des Bryant player fans. Okay. Like as a player, we are considering buying some semblance of updated gear. We haven't really figured out. I think Meg has kind of figured out her game plan. I haven't figured out mine yet. But I would love to know, just this is a good storyline, and I agree, he's on the practice squad, and it's just wonderful in itself. The man's come back and, like, actually be able to get on the 53. I, you know, I'm not sure if that's mainly because of the fact of the personnel issues from COVID or what. Do you feel like, what do you feel like this team has in store for him role-wise? And do you feel like he will get some opportunities when it comes time to play Dallas? Were you guys backing him in that Titans game at all? I wasn't. No. So he, it's like I mentioned, this offense has been pretty uninspiring the last several weeks and the receiver position, it's been tough. And like Hollywood Brown, like he, uh, he had a couple rough games in a row. Then he went to Twitter and said like something to the effect of like, why are you going to have me if you're not going to use me? Then he had a couple rough games after that. He was like dropping passes and stuff. So for him to have that touchdown last night was big, but that's a whole nother story. But Nobody with the exception of like Willie Sneed and Mark Andrews here and there were doing anything and it was getting to a boiling point. And then that Titans game, like Dez was the only one out there playing with heart. And like, they were, I don't know why, but they were like off covering him like 10 yards. So like there were a couple of plays where Lamar just took the snap and just chucked it to him out left. And he would just like chunk forward for like five yards. So that was, that was like his first couple uh, catches. And then near the end of the game, they were driving down to like tie it up to uh, go into overtime. I thought, I thought he was going to make it happen for them because you have this like third down. He's coming on like a crossing route. Lamar does. It was kind of, it looked like a Romo play a little bit from back in the day. Lamar kind of like spins a little bit. Dez like sees him doing the fire drill. He makes the catch and he like weaves through a couple of guys. So 
he looks he looks pretty good to me. Like he looks like he's, you know, at the very least like a decent number three, number four option. So I think he's going to be in the picture guys. Like Crochet has looked solid. He's a six round pick. I think he's in the future plans. Duvernay has uh, looked pretty good. He's a third rounder. He's definitely going to be in the future plans, but for right now, this guy is uh, solid and moving the chains when they need to be moved. I mean, with the exception of last night, which was just kind of a debacle and there's nothing he can do about that. I think he's a guy who has worked hard to get to where he, uh, where he is right now. I think it's an inspiring story for a lot of these young players that are like getting a little bitchy on Twitter. Like I said, like, look at this guy, he was out of the league for a couple of years and talking about fighting depression and stuff. And now he's like, he worked his way onto a practice squad and then onto a real roster. And now he's like catching passes in a game. So I've been really inspired by Dez. I've always been a fan of his going back to his Dallas days. And uh, I'd be excited if they could work him into the, uh, the game plan for the stretch running games here. I really want him to score a touchdown against us. <laughs> I how about he throws one with his, uh, his left hand? That would be great. <laughs> I was tweeting that video out the other day. I was like, well, if RG3 is not going to be able to do anything, then turn to this guy and he'll, uh, he'll throw you a, a touchdown or two. I mean, we've had some emergency quarterback situations and discussions, and I have mentioned this, and Meg knows. Like, I am all for the Des Bryant as a backup, backup, backup QB. Like, I feel like it makes sense. He's done it before. He can do it again. Like, come on. And you'd like, yeah, I wonder what the celebration is there because if he's doing the X for the receiving touchdown, is he going to do it for the passing touchdown too? I guess that's a good problem to have. But it's a good problem to have. I love it. I um, want to find out. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't mind losing, but I would, I'm okay with him getting a little bit of revenge against us for not signing him again. Okay. Like I'll say it, I'll say it. It's fine. Okay. Give the man. Too. I'd love to see that happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'd love to get your last final thoughts in the game. Meg, I don't, you know, love to get yours as well. I'll be totally honest with you guys. I don't feel great. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think for me, the main thing I'm looking out for is just genuinely who is going to be in the game in a purple jersey because it's hard for me to base my decisions on this game. I don't feel good about any game we play. Uh, let me just say that, but especially when I don't know who's going to be on the field, because I feel a lot better about our odds if RG3 is out there versus if Lamar, you know what I mean? Like that changes things, obviously. So, you know, considering all of that, where's y'all's heads at in terms of the game? And Meg would love to hear your thoughts on just basically the, the breakdown of what we just received and how you feel. Abby would like to give her thoughts as well. Um, she's going to be my emotional support animal as we take this L um, on, what, what is it, Tuesday, Monday? Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. I can't keep it straight. Looks like Abby has some takes. Yeah. Her take is, take me outside. <laughs> she's like, listen, here's, I know you have a treat. So go ahead and figure that out and then get off this show and let's go do other things. We're done with this. Yeah. But I mean, I just don't see um, a real like path for us to victory this week. Um, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. As long as Des is happy, I'm happy. Get that draft pick. Yes. The draft pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. What about Give you? Give me a corner. What do you have? Um, final, final, final thoughts? You know, I, I think number eight is going to be out there. So I think uh, that goes advantage Ravens. Um, like I said, that Andy Dalton guy, I, you know, that fourth and 12 pass haunts my dreams. Um, I don't think he's in quite the same situation as he was 
with that Bengals team, but you know, I think people get a little too carried away sometimes talking about, oh, they're going to blow them out and X, Y, and Z. This team just took the Steelers to the wire with Garrett Gilbert the other day. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not going to get too high on my horse here. I'm going to go uh, Ravens get the win 20. Cowboys hang a nice 16 points on them. Little, little uh, heart thumper there. Are you going to give Des? That was nice of you. Official. <laughs> that's just what I, that's literally what I think. Like uh, this team is not blowing anybody out, like anyone. All right. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance a window of opportunity <laughs> jake thanks so much for coming to hang out with us tell the good people what you've got going on where they can find you because listen let's face it we have a couple days until now in the game and also jake is covering our favorite guy des bryant so you should probably go ahead and give him a follow because he will obviously be part of the conversations moving forward so jake what's the deal yeah, a lot of good Des content on my timeline. I uh, was doing some yard work before a game a couple weeks ago, and I threw up the X and posted that selfie, posted the uh, left-handed touchdown pass to Witten uh, the other day. So just definitely tune in for that if you're a Cowboys fan. A lot of great stuff on that front. But you can follow me on Twitter at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Uh, and you can follow the Baltimore Beatdown podcast on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. And uh, check us out. We're going to be doing a little preview show towards the end of the week probably. Maybe get a Cowboy-centric guest. Maybe if one of you guys want to join us, uh, chop this game up a little bit further. And, uh, yeah, uh, best of luck on Tuesday. Have yourselves a a great weekend, and thank you guys for having me on. Awesome, thanks. All right, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Kelsey underscore Charles. And Megan is at Meg Murray with four R's. Guys, make sure you're downloading the Blog the Boys podcast, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple app, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Follow us on YouTube as well. And since we are playing a bird team, I feel like it's only right that we leave you with these final words. Megan? That is uh, Dallas forever. Uh, Baltimore and Philly for never. Um, also, birds are not real. <laughs> birds aren't real. Bye, guys. <laughs> not at all, birds. <laughs>